0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of comfort, a God who himself rests, and a God who wants us to abide in your rest in this world, in our hearts, in our minds. We just pray for our hearts to feel safe so that we can receive the good things that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I grew up in a storm, as Paul talks about. We sang about storms. I grew up in a storm, a very rough storm. I did not know rest. I was suicidal sixth grade, seventh grade. That's when I started wanting to check out on life because life was so unsafe and so painful and so empty for me. And I had a very dramatic conversion when I was in early high school. And I did give my life to Jesus. An evangelical shared with me the gospel. He heard that I was struggling with depression, suicide, and all of that. And two weeks later I was still really struggling with depression. And I was really tempted to kill myself. And there was a deeper level of surrender. And I remember I was on my bed and I I said to to God, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. And something supernatural happened. There was a power that came upon me. And there was a love that came upon me that was supernatural, that was tangible, that, that engaged my heart. And it's like there was a, a flushing of a toilet, like a dirty toilet in my mind. There was a cleansing. Like I literally felt like my mind was less dense and more free. And my perspective of my own value... And of the world, it immediately changed. Like, like for once in my life, I truly felt loved. And there was a change in my emotional state of being. God's love encountered me, and he took away much of that storm. And I was emotionally and mentally by his grace able to enter into a deeper place of rest how many of you when you came to christ did he give you some rest some emotional rest did you experience that anybody just want to quickly share how he did that to you anybody just want to throw that out for 30 seconds what was that like for you anybody Okay. A release from torment, release from a prison. When it became real to me, I, I felt that security. Okay. That's, um, that was important to me. Okay. I think that's a very important word is security. Mm-hmm. Emotional security. I'm loved. I'm, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it all on my own anymore. There's somebody bigger than me who's, who's chosen to love and protect me and, and be committed to me and provide for me for eternity, right? When you really feel that, that changes things, doesn't it? I felt like I didn't have to perform.
1: I, I did a lot of performing, and that, was, that brought much more rest.
0: Okay. Hebrews talks about laboring to enter into Christ's rest. You know what Jesus did on the cross? He did all the good works for us. In the Old Testament, they had to do stuff in order to approach God and be accepted. And there was grace in the Old Testament, right? But in the New Testament, Jesus lived a perfect life, a righteous, holy life. He fulfilled the law perfectly. And he came to God after the cross as a perfect sacrifice. And he, he put his blood on the altar. It talks about this in Hebrews. That blood is the sign of the new covenant, the eternal covenant of grace. And all we have to do is say yes to who Jesus is as the son of God, as the one who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. Right? And we enter into a new covenant of grace where we receive Christ's merit. We receive his righteousness by faith. And he takes all of our sin, past, present, future, and he's legally paid for all that on the cross, right? But a lot of Christians live as though they're still under the Old Testament. If I don't do this right, if I don't do that right, then God's not going to accept me, and I can't accept myself, right? So Paul was delivered from performance. I'm still being delivered from performance in my life. I think a lot of us are still in that process. What is rest? Who, who wants to try and tell me what rest is? Tell us what rest is. Any thoughts on that? There's no worries about anything. Okay, no worries. So there's a mental rest. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not worrying about what might happen or maybe what people are thinking of me. Right? I'm not overly self-conscious. Right? How about some other thoughts? Okay. So, meeting with him, there's a communion with God that brings forth rest. Right? Because he, he meets me with pure grace, not judgment, not criticism. Pure grace, pure acceptance, no matter what I've done or what I'm struggling with. Right? So abiding in that security that Karen talked about through relating to him. Any other thoughts on what rest is? Like his hand is here and I'm here. Okay. His hand moves, but I don't need to move. I'm just mm-hmm. here. Okay. So I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting in his promises. I looked, looked in the dictionary to, to find some definitions here of rest. Relief or freedom especially from anything that wearies, troubles, or disturbs, mental or spiritual calm, tranquility, a period or interval of inactivity, repose, solitude, or tranquility. In the Old Testament, we see the Sabbath is given to us. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his labors. And people have different perspectives on this, but I believe in the New Covenant that we don't have to not work every Saturday, but some people do, and that's fine. But I believe that God has established within the framework of human existence a need for rest. You, you experience it every day. You get tired and you have to sleep, right? You have to physically go to bed and do nothing but rest in order to be healthy the next day. Isn't that true? Right? And, and if you just work... Eight, you know, seven days a week, and you just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Or you keep giving, and you don't take time for recreation, and just to decompress. What happens to you? Right, right. So you can see, God designed us for rest. That rest is actually as important for us as work, as doing good works. Rest is just as valuable. And important for the Christian. Rest involves the soul, and Jesus Himself says that in the Bible. We're going to get to that verse. The soul consists of mind, will, emotions. Rest is living in a place of peace. Right? Righteous is peace and join the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Right? So He has purchased peace for us and joy for us and he wants us to abide in that place it's feeling emotionally safe and we, you know, Karen talked about security I did not feel emotionally safe when I was growing up because I really wasn't I mean I, uh, I won't get into all the details of that but it was not an emotionally safe environment so I was very on guard I, I couldn't feel secure in my family relationships and some of us come from that background and that's hard to deal with some of us come from healthy families where we are emotionally safe. We felt emotionally safe. And, and it's easier for us to enter into the rest that God has promised for us. Rest is moving away from performance, worry, and striving to a place of perfect acceptance. Do you feel in your heart that God perfectly accepts you as you are? Not as he should be? You know, probably some of us don't. There are times when I don't feel that way. But the reality is, the truth is, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm 100% accepted. And he's not going to accept me more or love me more when I'm in my glorified body and sinless. He's going to love me just the same, right? Unconditional love, trust. Rest comes when we feel we are cared for and provided for. We're not on our own. Fear is the enemy of rest. Perfect love cast out all fear, 1 John 4, 18. I was baptized in love. When I got saved, I was baptized in love. A loving Heavenly Father, a loving Jesus, who's real and present invaded my emotional life in a way that was so liberating and so nurturing, and that love enabled me to enter into a deep place of rest. Good God is an infinite all-powerful, eternal being that is gentle and loving and compassionate and cares about us as high as the heavens are above the earth. The size of creation, the scope of creation, all the galaxies, the billions of galaxies that are out there is incomprehensible, and God says that his love for us, his heart, his commitment, his compassion is greater than that distance out there, okay? And when we can grasp this and feel this as emotional reality, that God is that loving and that gracious and that committed to us, it helps to bring us into a place of rest. He'll never use me. He'll never mistreat me. He'll never be harsh. His discipline is in love. It's his kindness that leads me to repentance. He's not going to break his word. I grew up in an environment where, where authorities words were broken. I did not learn trust. I learned mistrust. And it's been hard for me to come to a place where I can trust God. But I'm moving in that direction. Right? God is never going to lie. It's against his character as a holy and perfect God. There's a promise in Philippians 4:19, and my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So think of this, a generous, benevolent father. Every hair on our head is numbered. He loves us that much. And he, he says here in his word that he's going to supply all my needs. So we can declare with confidence, right, when we're afraid of the future or we're afraid of what somebody's thinking about us or am I going to get my husband, my wife, am I going to get this job or am I going to be taken care of? Well, we have an answer from a faithful God. And so we can come against those thoughts, which is engaging in spiritual warfare with the word of God, taking that sword and say, my God will supply all my needs. In the, in the, the scope of fear, in the scope of lack, we can declare God will supply all my needs. And that's emotional, that's spiritual, that's physical. My God will supply all my, all my needs. Let's just declare that together. Can we do that? My God will supply all my needs. Amen to that. So if we're struggling, if, we have, if we're attacked in that area of our lives of trust and security and provision, we need to get active. And we need to take that truth up. And that will transform our emotional lives and our perspective, because it's the word of God. It's powerful. If I believe deep down in my heart that i have to keep my position in the family of god by my performance labor right behavior then i am not living in rest if i am focused on myself my failures or my good works then i'm actually in bondage i'm in spiritual bondage right jesus invites us to look unto him hebrews 12 talks about this Laying down those weights, those burdens, looking unto Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't have to look to our weaknesses. We get to look to perfect Jesus, who's our perfection. And that brings so much liberation when we get our eyes off of ourselves and our struggles and our weaknesses. He is all-sufficient. The more we can accept the grace of God through Jesus the more we can abide in His rest. People who didn't grow up in a restful environment find it hard to enter that rest. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. People who grew up in an environment of performance, conditional love, or neglect usually find it hard to enter into the rest Jesus offers us. So there's a barrier that we have to overcome by His grace. if we grew up in that environment. I've encountered many people, you know, I mentor uh, young guys, and I've done that for a while, and so forth. I've encountered many people who don't feel that God loves them unconditionally, deep down inside. They believe it in their, their heads, but they don't feel it or believe it in their hearts. That's not their emotional reality. And so they strive, and they try and perform to earn their own acceptance and to earn God's acceptance and their hearts are good. I mean, it's awesome that somebody wants to serve God and and invest in eternity. That is an awesome thing, right? And I've seen Christian leaders, I've seen young Christian leaders and some not-so-young Christian leaders that also are stuck in this place. And I, I think there's a voice inside of them that says, you know, no matter what they did, no matter what good they did, there is a voice that says, that wasn't good enough. You're not good enough. You need to do more. There's always more you need to do. Right? That's an internal slave master. That's driving some people. They can't love themselves unconditionally. And deep down inside, they feel they're not good enough for God to accept them. This damages them and those around them. And as I said before, I, I've seen Christian leaders. I've been involved in ministries where There's such intensity, and there's a godly zeal. There's such intensity, but there's this performance, there's this lack of peace, and it's not healthy. And I see people around them get emotionally damaged, and I see them get burnt out. That's not the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't lead us into burnout. He doesn't lead us into striving. He leads us into good works, but at a rhythm that is healthy. Right? There's a balance, there's a healthiness that the Holy Spirit leads us into. The opposite of rest would be fear, anxiety, being worn out, being burdened, being weary, not refreshed, overworked, lacking peace. There's racing thoughts in the mind, unstable emotions. You can't sleep. You have unhealthy relationships. Right? I've had unhealthy relationships in my past, And you can have these ungodly soul ties and you you take responsibility for other people's emotions or their burdens in a way that God never asks you to do it and it robs you of rest, right? We can can be well-meaning in engaging people in ways that can be unhealthy. And so we have to learn where our responsibility starts and where it stops in the lives of other people. Various traumas can rob us of rest, and I touched on this a little bit earlier. With emotional trauma, there can be a fracturing of the soul, and parts of you can get kind of disconnected, and there can be a lot of pain a lot of fear and anxiety in certain areas. And that's something that I had to endure as a child, and that God has been bringing healing, this deep inner healing, in parts of my heart that are very broken and very afraid. So um, no matter what our background is, God has the grace and the tenderness to bring wholeness which will lead us to rest. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29, Jesus says, With love, with grace, with desire for a broken, lost people. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Right, Jesus knows the state of humanity. We got a lot of weary and burdened people. That's pretty much the human condition in a broken world. And I will give you rest. That's a promise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Right? So there's a transaction that Jesus wants to have happen between us and him. For I am gentle. Jesus, all powerful, Jesus who became a man, he is gentle. Gentle with us and our struggles and humble in heart. Was he gentle with the, the uh, lady who had five husbands? Was he tender? Was he compassionate with, with the lady caught in adultery? He was not harsh. He is not harsh with sinners. He is not harsh with the broken. He is so kind. He is so gentle. He did not point fingers. He showed them acceptance. He showed them love. He showed them grace. And it's that acceptance, love, and grace that's going to deliver people from their sin. Right? It's not putting shame on them and saying, you've got to do better. It's giving them what they really need. We're designed for love and security and relationship. And that's what's going to deliver us. How do we get rest? Step one, we've got to come to Jesus, right? That's what the Bible says. We enter in by believing he's the Son of God and that he rose from the dead. There's a personal response to who Jesus says that he is. And we invite him into our heart. We repent of our sins. And we declare that he is Lord and Savior. He came to deliver us. He is God who took on flesh. But then he says, come unto me, that it isn't just believing in Christ. It's entering into his presence. It's establishing a real relationship with him. It's getting to know him. Jesus invites us to abide in his love. He is a real person who can interact with us. There's a promise in the Bible that he will make himself known to those who believe on him. And you look in the Greek that I will manifest myself. I'm going to engage and interact with those people. He, He can interact with us in such intimacy every Christian all over the world at the same time as though you're the only person in existence because he's God. He does that. Jesus invites us in 1 Peter 5, 7 to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, okay? Number one, he cares for you. Do you believe that, right? Do you really believe he cares for you? He cares about us and our life and our struggles. And because of that, he's willing to take all of our burdens. Right? So we're, we're encouraged, we're exhorted to cast all of our cares. You know, sometimes I can think about, uh-oh, what if this doesn't happen? What if this doesn't happen? And I can get, start getting emotionally worked up. I think that can happen to a lot of us. And then I remember who God wants to be for me. And I can just say, Jesus, I'm giving you this burden. Or there can be conflict. There can be something in my life that's a challenge that I don't have the answer for, and I can get overwhelmed. But if I give that problem to Jesus, he's going to take that problem and he's going to bring the answer. And sometimes he gives me very specific wisdom and revelation of how to walk certain things out that are hard. And that's actually a promise in, in jo- uh, James. If anybody lacks wisdom, ask God. Ask <laughs> God. God wants to come and help us living our everyday lives, you know, whatever the situation may be, which I think is an awesome thing. And I find rest in my heart and my mind when I cast all my cares upon him. There's a real transaction that happens. And I feel the goodness and peace of God in a tangible way transform my emotional life and my thought life learning from Jesus. That's a part of the verse that we read. We're to learn from him. And we look at Jesus' life. We look at his teaching. We look at how he stewarded his life. We we learned even beyond the teaching when we look at Jesus. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit in Mark one eleven. We are given the grace to be empowered by the same Holy Spirit who is God, who is our helper, our counselor, our comforter, who gives us gifts, who gives us peace, who gives us fruit, right? We have the access to the same empowering Holy Spirit. Well, in Mark 1.11, there's a voice that speaks to Jesus and says, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So before Jesus starts his ministry, you see a foundation Uh, You're talking about a foundation. There's a foundation of a father who is 100% for his son, expressing affirmation and love and acceptance. I believe in you. I'm with you. I'm pleased in you. I'm proud of you. And that is Jesus' foundation. You look at the life of Jesus, what's his priority? If you really look at it, it's not healing the sick. It's not raising the dead. There, there's something even greater than that. And that is stewarding his relationship with his dad. He will walk away from needs. He loves people. He cares about their needs. But he has his priorities straight. His main priority is being in relationship with his loving dad. He, before he chooses the disciples, I think he spends like all night praying. Right? He's getting direction. He's getting revelation. He's getting strength from dad from god who is a father to him right jesus is living out his life as a son he perfectly trusts in his dad his father and because that relationship is so strong and he feels so safe and secure in his father's love he's able to live life and do ministry where there is enormous pressure we're talking enormous pressure i mean was it an easy life that jesus had when he did his ministry no, in fact, there were people that literally wanted to kill him and he knew that would that, if you if knew somebody was trying to kill you and they had a lot of power and authority, would that kind of disturb you emotionally a little bit? And mentally, would that put a little fear inside of you? Yeah. Do you see Jesus operating in fear? No. There are people who hate him, who want to make his life miserable. Do you see Jesus getting offended? Do you see him letting the sun go down on his anger? How does he respond to that? Right? On the cross, you see those mocking Pharisees. They got what they wanted. They killed the Son of God. And there's Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was able to steward his heart in such a way that he did not let the devil in. He did not give in to dark emotions. We see agony. We see, we see grieving. We see weeping of Christ, which are all natural human emotions. He never gave into offense. He never gave into unforgiveness. And I can guarantee you, if you give into offense and unforgiveness, you know what? You're not going to abide in rest. And I can say that from experience. I've had to work with a lot of unforgiveness in my life and offense. And I see people who let the sun go down on their anger and they get consumed by their perpetrators, by their abusers, and it robs them. So one of the ways to find rest that God offers us is to not let the sun go down on our anger and forgive those who have hurt us or abused us. We need to learn how to steward our hearts like Jesus stewarded his heart The Bible talks about a spirit of sonship, that we've been given a spirit of sonship. And that's important because that's all about our identity, that we are beloved sons, we are beloved daughters of God. We are heirs of God, we are co-heirs with Jesus. So purely by grace, not because of our performance or how good we are today or how bad we are today, everything that is God's is ours right? Unconditionally. All we got to do is believe that Jesus is who he said he was, right? It's that simple, but we make it hard. And the more we can do what Jesus did, making the relationship with Father God the priority, learning about sonship, learning about the character of God, learning about his unconditional grace. It talks about in Ephesians being rooted and grounded in love. It talks about Uh, knowing the height and width and breadth and depth of this love and i I think the main foundation of the christian life is the ability to receive god's unconditional love and i think if we get at a place where we make that the priority and that becomes our priority we can go through pretty much anything and we're going to be doing pretty well who was the first martyr in the book of acts who do we see stephen okay is he loving his opponents who hate him Is he in a place of peace when they're about to stone him? The answer is yeah. They say that he has a face like an angel, and he is so connected to Jesus Christ and to the Father. He's so anchored and grounded in who God is for him and who he is as a beloved son who is secure in that love. He gets a vision. It looks like he gets a vision from heaven and he sees his Lord and Savior, and he declares who Jesus is to the people who have no clue who God is, yet they think they know and are doing a wicked act in the name of God, right? And he, it looks like he actually falls asleep. That's the way to describe it. So externally, we're talking deep violence. I mean, getting stoned is probably not the most peaceful, enjoyable thing in the world, I would think. But internally, he's at a place of such peace And it's not based on circumstances it's based on a relationship with a loving god that is so real that it's more powerful than the worst that could happen to him that did happen to him that's where god wants to bring us we talked about jesus multiple times in the bible you see him walking away from people's needs because he had to get alone with god or god has something else for him is it hard for anybody here to walk away from needs Right? It can be. It was okay for Jesus to say no to people. It was okay for God for Jesus to say no to people. And we need to get to a place where it's okay for us to say no to people. Right? That's something I've had to overcome. And I have struggled with the the burnout because in the past, I didn't feel, I felt guilt or shame if I couldn't meet somebody's need who wanted me to meet their need. Right? Right? How many people have struggled with burnout here? I, I have. Okay. So some of us have struggled with burnout. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who leads us. And we don't have to let him lead us, but we should let him lead us because he's a good leader. Right? He knows what we have need of. I don't see anybody in the New Testament that gets burnout. Can you think of anybody who gets burnout? I re- I've read that book over and over and over and over and over again. I don't see it. There are people there who are led by the Holy Spirit. Moses was there, and then his yeah. Them. Okay, so Mo- Moses was taken on too much and his yeah. father-in-law pointed that out and he was able to lay some of that responsibility on others so he wouldn't get yeah. fully burned out. Right? So we, s- we see that principle, even of some leaders in the Old Testament that did that. But in the in the New Testament, I don't see it. The Holy Spirit, the mind the set on the Holy Spirit is life and peace. Romans 8:14 says that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And I don't believe God wants his people to be burned out. And I believe if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be burnt out. So anybody who has struggled with burnout, here's what I suggest. Something is pushing you and and pressuring you to do things that are beyond what God has asked of you. Yeah, things that even seem good, that might even bear good fruit, that you have taken on a responsibility. God literally has not asked it of you. And we need to come to a place where we're like, okay, God, all these things are presenting themselves before me, all these potential responsibilities, ministry opportunities. What do you want me to do? What do you not want me to do? right and some of us may have been involved in leadership or under certain ministries where there was a lot placed on us by leaders and they were good meaning leaders because again they wanted to release the kingdom of god but maybe they weren't listening to the holy spirit and what they asked you to do or the lifestyle they asked you to live that might have been more intense than what you could handle We see some people like the Apostle Paul. That guy was a madman. I mean, that guy just continued to go and go and go and go and go, right? He had an intensity and a burning and a passion. He had a call as an evangelist to evangelize this huge area. But if most of us tried to live that life, we'd want to die. You know what I'm saying? God designed Paul that way, and there was that call on his life as an evangelist. But you don't see Paul trying to push that lifestyle onto those underneath them do you right those who he chooses for his missionary journeys the holy spirit's involved in that and they're very few right so we as leaders or leaders in the making have to come to a place where maybe we have a call on our own lives but we have to be sensitive enough to holy spirit to how he designed other people we see beautiful calls as moms Timothy had a great mom, and that was her call, was to raise up children in the Lord. We see wonderful people who are serving at God's table, and that's what they're called to do, right? And leaders need to see that stuff and be content with that and not impose responsibilities on people that God is not imposing. And that's something that I've seen that I think has caused a lot of people damage. Okay, so... Um, if if you're struggling with burnout, I would encourage you to talk to trusted brothers or leaders in your life, spiritual parents, and process that and see how God wants to bring you out of that, okay? God wants us to live life out of a place of rest, physically and emotionally, being rooted and grounded in his love. That's Ephesians 3.17. He wants us to live a love relationship with him above Christian works, right? His his relationship with his children is more important to him than the works of his children, and we need to get to that place. If we get to that place, we're going to be fruitful, and we're going to be healthy. We have to put the great commandment above the great commission. We've got to get the great commandment of love establish in our hearts and as we do that then we can live out the great commission in a way that is healthy for us and healthy for other people and that's the end of my message and i just want to pray into that okay especially for people who struggle with burnout is that okay okay if you feel comfortable enough if you have struggled with burnout everybody please stand but especially those who are who have been struggling with burnout recently or it's really affected them, I would like them to get the main ministry mm-hmm. today. So please stand, everybody, right now. And if you want hands laid on you, those of you who struggled with burnout, please raise your hand. I see some hands raised. Praise God. And please, those of you who don't have your hands raised, lay, lay your hand on them. And we're, we're just going to invite our loving dad to come and help us. Mm-hmm. So Heavenly Father... It's not your will that your people are burnt out and exhausted. Mm -hmm. Lord, and those of us who are burnt out and overstressed and have taken responsibilities into our lives that you haven't given us or had uh, Christian leaders place demands on us that were not from you, that did not come from a place of healthiness, God, we forgive them. And we just pray that you'd give us the grace to be able to say no. God, that I don't have to do everything everybody asks me to do, even if they're a Christian leader or if they're somebody in need. That we just want to bring everybody's need to you. And Lord, that, that we are more important than what we do to you. Our health, our hearts are more important to you And we just ask, Father God, that you'd release and just break off any uh, spirits of weariness, any spirits of heaviness. We just command that stuff to break, Lord. And we just forgive ourselves where we haven't been able to say no to people. And Father, we just renounce the lie that we have to feel guilt or shame if we say no to people's needs or that you're ashamed of us. Are not satisfied if we say no, as Jesus even said no, and you led him to that no. Lord, and for those of us who find it hard to enter into a place of rest, our minds, our hearts, our pace of life, our focus, for those of us where that is off, God, we just give those things to you, and we pray that you would refocus us Help us to look away from ourselves unto the all satisfying Jesus, who gives us of of his Holy Spirit, who empowers us and strengthens us and refreshes us, and who gives us unconditional love like an artesian well. It's always there for us to drink of and to be satisfied in, it is food for the soul. Jesus, we just pray that you'd give us the grace to really look away from all the peripherals and to just know that you're there for us as we are, that you are our source of life. You are the vine, and we want to drink of the life of the vine. And we pray, Lord, over these next weeks that you would bring more of us, bring us to a deeper place of rest. We command fear of the future, fear of rejection, just to break. Pray for a deeper revelation of sonship, that spirit of sonship, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that you love us as we are. You love us as we are. God, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you
1: so much, Bob. You may be seated. We're going to pass out the elements for communion. What a wonderful thing to do after hearing a message like this. To take of Jesus, take of his life, take of his sustenance. You won't drink it when you get it. You hold. Uh, Just hold the bread and the juice. Then we will together. So remember how our Lord Jesus Christ... And the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way also he took the cup. And when he had supped and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When Bob was speaking about rest, one of the things that strongly occurred to me was that I know I'm not condemned. I know I'm forgiven. I learned that from my parents. They forgave me easily. It wasn't hard. For them to forgive me. And I tell them, my kids. It's not hard for me to forgive you. It's easy for me. I like forgiving you. It's easy to forgive you. You people are, are forgiven. It's not hard for God. He doesn't struggle to say. Oh no not you again. Not that again. It's easy. He does it quickly and immediately. And completely. As far as the east is from the west. That's a long ways away. And so we come today. As people that can rest in our relationship, rest in our salvation. We're at peace because of Jesus and because of the Father. So take and eat the body of Christ given for you. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you. Bob you really set me up tomorrow next week I'm talking on the difference between what it means to be a slave and a son from Romans 8 if you want to if you want to get ready for it just read from Romans 8. Many of us are led by the Spirit of God they, they're the sons of God they prove by the guidance that God gives them and something cries in our heart I'm a, I'm a son I'm a child I'm, I'm I'm in the family I have security I've got Uh, I know, I can trust in this. I belong forever. A slave doesn't wonder, well, there's still work to be done, but not a child. It's not about work. For my kids, it's not about work. They work hard. It's not about work. It's about a relationship. We walk in that. So thank you. It's a wonderful message. What did you appreciate about the message this morning? Just pass your cups to the center aisle, and Joe and Tyler will help pick them up. What did you appreciate? The, there's such freedom in this message, isn't there? What else? The strife is over. The strife is over, yeah. Anything else that you appreciate about the message? Bob is anointed with love. Mm-hmm. Bob is anointed with love. He's got a lot of love, doesn't he? Comes through, it's wonderful. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to speak the benediction over you. Then we're going to sing a song that uh, as we were practicing it, Tyler said, yeah, I remember that as a boy. I remember hearing it. We didn't sing it in the Lutheran church. We sang, I know my Baptist friends would, would know it. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. So we'll sing that. And then we want to turn this into a prayer meeting. This becomes a prayer meeting. We'll fellowship. We'll have plenty of time. You can stay as long as you want. But we'll, right after the song, then just look to someone near you. If there's an area where you are not resting, it'd be good to get prayer. If there's an area where there is struggle in your heart, there's agitation, then ask somebody near you to pray. Or say anything I can pray for you so these words are more than words these words are action god's word is action what god says happens so these are the words of god through aaron to the people of god through you says command them to give them these words and so i will put my peace on them so that you're going to get rest just by receiving these very words you ready for it get ready catch it the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, now we'll sing. There's a place of quiet rest. and have kind of prayer together. How many remember this song? <laughs> you remember singing this song?
2: <laughs> there, there is a, is a place of a- a-
1: turn to your right, find somebody to pray. This is a prayer time now. Pray for a minute, pray for five minutes, pray as long as you want.